when you show up to like a diner in the middle of like Nebraska and I've got like a pink mohawk that's laying like right here, it's sloppy, you know, it's not like a bunch of, you know, badass cowboys walking into a saloon, <laughs> but it's like one of those moments of like, wow, look at these dudes. We're, we're going to have to figure out how to beat these guys up. Alright everyone, well thank you so much everyone for tuning in. This is another episode of the Scoped Exposure Podcast. I am very excited to be, be bringing on a mighty, mighty uh, voice um, in the hardcore space. Uh, one crushing Joe, as I've seen on some of your Instagram <laughs> posts. Um, Joe from Admin, thank you so much for coming on the show, my friend. Thanks for having me. I'm stoked. I, I'm stoked as well. Um, you know, I, I've been sharing a little bit of context before we get into the mix of the show as to why I wanted to bring on, um, you know, different guests that are coming on the show. And I guess like for me, Advent has always been a band that has, um, f for me specifically, like uh, my entry port into a lot of heavy music was through the, you know, the Christian hardcore, uh, the Face Down Records, the um, tooth and nails and all that yeah. and i remember i remember vividly my first ever like real festival experience was at uh sunshine fest in wilmar minnesota yeah and uh at the time you know i'm listening to like the plea for purgings the gideons the four todays so like but i remember vividly i would see all these hardcore kids that would be wearing advent shirts and it was either advent or venya and i was always like yeah. why are their shirts like so much cooler than everyone else's <laughs> just the design work and and all those things and then like later on as i was getting deeper down the rabbit hole in heavy music you know listening to your guys' stuff and and your voice specifically was always just menacing and then fast forward many many years um you guys i got to see you guys at uh snow and flurry fest in 2019 yeah and you know we got to chat a little bit after the set and it was just like such a genuine um experience so you know um i think with some of some of those earlier experiences and then maybe a, a super timely example of you guys doing that surprise set for um the ends of sanity first show oh yeah I was like okay i i gotta i gotta reach out to joe we gotta set something up here for the <laughs> podcast so i really appreciate you coming on i'm really yeah. excited for this one dude thank you so much for having me yeah i'm stoked yeah so uh joe before we get into like lots of the music chats uh you know the meat of the episode if you want to call it that we have to check some bevs um so tell the folks at home what you're going to be sipping on uh for the show today i'm gonna be sipping on sweet tea <laughs> the, the that's a that's a gnarly looking cup <laughs> yeah the it's syrup a, of the south i love uh, that it tweetsy railroad it's like a. it's up in the mountains here in north carolina it's just like yeah look at it it's super good i'm trying to get my fingers out of the way <laughs> They do like a cowboys and Indians thing and and then they do like Santa Claus at Christmas and you can ride a train around, bring your kids and all this stuff. So wow. It's yeah. it's pretty awesome. I, f I feel like when you're doing merchandise like that, whether it's like a sweet tea cup or something like that, just leaning into the craziness versus oh. having it be like, you know, kind of like, uh, well, we could do a little bit of this. Like no, just, go just all lean out. into yeah, all out. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's very very cool um is that something is that a place where you've taken your kids and uh yeah and your we, family we took them i guess the christmas before you know all the pandemic stuff happened uh we mm. took them and they met santa and miss claus and it was awesome man yeah i know i know you know the time of when this comes out is going to be far far further away from christmas versus leading up to yeah, it. yeah. um but you know d- just because we're on the topic of that what's yeah. your um what's your viewpoint on on introing santa do you like like to play into the mystery and have them find out or, or how how is that oh uh, you know? man we just that's more of a parenting question right out the gate but <laughs> kind of like the thing that you said with the cup i'm just like dude let's just go let's go all in let's do santa <laughs> like like yeah they know they they know him. they're waiting for him uh they're writing letters we we go we go crazy with it so it's fun yeah. you know i think growing up for me like eventually finding out that's you know spoiler alert you know for anyone who's like wait santa's <laughs> not real <laughs> i feel like you know the demographic of our podcast i'd be very surprised if someone's finding out about that for the first time um but <laughs> with all that being said uh, when I found out, you know, I don't, I don't know how old I was, like eight or, you know, whatever. Um, and then it was like, oh, now I get to eat the cookies on, on Christmas Eve when everyone else is asleep. And then it gets like passed down generation yeah. in some ways. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I have, I'm not going to tell the story. I'm, I have like a vault of just life stories and weird things that have happened. But I have a Santa story that's like unreal. And myself and my older brother, he's five years older than me. We Mm. still don't know how to explain it. And it had been like up until about three or four years ago, it had been like 15, 16 years since either of us had talked about this experience that we had. And I brought it up out of nowhere at like a Christmas game night that we were having like with with our siblings and stuff. And he was like, dude, he said, dude, I still think about that. And I have no way of explaining how it happened. So I still, there's still a part of me that just, well, I, feel like I feel like you're te- teeing up this story and now it's burning in me that I want to hear more about it. Basically, so we go to the mall, you know, in the 80s and, my, mm-hmm. you know, my, our mom would just drop us off. He's five years old. He's kind of a big, broad, barrel chested kid. So he look he, when, when he's like 12, he looks like he's in college. He's like growing a beard and stuff. So <laughs> so we go to the mall. And we're coming up the escalator, you know, like one of those long escalators from first, second floor. And we looked to the right and we saw this big guy, like long white hair, long white beard. He had a, he had like a long John shirt on and he had yellow suspenders and he had jeans and like snow boots. And I remember looking at him as a kid. I'm like, that looks like. You know, you're just thinking to yourself, you're like, that looks like Santa on his day off or something, you know, like, right. (laughs) And and this is, it's Christmas time. And, and Mm -hmm. my brother, I kind of like yanked on my brother's shirt and he looked and he was like, yeah, it does. So we kind of go around, we come up to the second floor and we walk around Santa and like, he kind of gives us a head nod and I'm not even lying to you, man. Like we get like 10 feet past where Santa was. And I just wanted to see him one more time. And I turn around and he was 1000% gone. And so Mm -hmm. me and my brother are like, you know, we're freaking out. Where'd he go? We're running around all the stores 
kind of, I mean, I'm looking up in the ceiling to see if somebody like yanked him into the seat, you know, like, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to explain it. And he's still like, he's, he's more of the rational kind of sure. person. And he's yeah. like, dude, I still don't know how to make sense out of what we experienced that day. Like that guy mm. literally vaporized, like as we passed him. <laughs> so that I, is I don't, wild. but it, man, I get a little, I get a little crazy when I start talking about this, this story, because <laughs> it just makes me feel like I'm wacko, man. Like, I don't know. I, yeah, so. Well, I, I think when we were all like, you know, young, everything feels like crazy and yeah. giant because like of, of that. But it, it reminds me of, um, there, there was like a, um, uh, like a comedy, uh, network uh I, I don't know if they're still around but it was called college humor and they they did this yeah, video yeah. and skit where you know it would it's very similar how batman in the movies he you know he'd be talking to someone and then he like disappears when they you know yeah. turn around and then the, yeah but it's like him like trying to get around the corner at the last minute but it's like i see you you know yeah. so it's like there's potentially like an adult who's watching this you know older senior who looks like santa who's definitely like playing up that and then just like last minute like Woof. but you know yeah. you know I, yeah. I i like to you know believe in, in some of the mystery of some of those things i think that that's a very wholesome story <laughs> it still gets me man i, I don't know yeah. i'm i'm 39 years old i still am baffled by it so <laughs> I'm 39 and I still believe in Santa to a degree. Um, well, yeah, that's a, that's a great story. I appreciate you telling <laughs> that. Um, I, I forgot where we got off as far as um, <laughs> we, we were talking about Bev's and then we were talking about Santa. <laughs> right. um, but as far as beverages for me, I'm going to be drinking a Calypso. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Ocean blue lemonade. Um, this, this beverage for me is really interesting because it's not like super common, at least I found in up here in Canada. So I've only found it in like a random gas station in like a random town when I'm like driving from from yeah. Calgary to Winnipeg. Yeah. And then I saw I saw it at a at a gas station by by the jam spot. And I was like, I gotta I gotta grab one of those. Heck so yeah. that's what I that's <laughs> what I'm gonna be sipping on for the episode. That's awesome. Yeah. So you know you got the you got the sweet tea and I got you know something that's probably a cousin of it yeah. you know, to a degree yeah um but cheers to you joe really cheers. excited to do this podcast today cheers bro yeah that that's was good stuff that was synchronized almost that was great <laughs> yeah yeah even with the lag from the zoom it's already uh it's uh, it's it's totally fine i think i think we killed it um joe uh, you know, for any new guests that I have here on the show, uh, I always like to get a bit of context about how they got into heavy music, how they got into hardcore. Yeah. Um, you know, I know that you've done a number of different um, podcast interviews before, so yeah. I'll, I'll allow you to do the Coles Notes version or, you know, the in-depth version, whichever you want to do. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just tell me some of the formative moments of, of what you got, what got you into this space. Yeah, man. Um, so I started playing drums. You know, I was playing band in middle school and i think uh you know i did that sixth seventh and by the time eighth grade came around i was you know interested in the music on the radio and stuff my friends were listening to at the time all alternative rock was like on the radio like it it owned everything so nirvana and pearl jam and uh some of my favorites like weezer and, and the toadies and um super 
trying to I'm trying to think about a few other bands, Soundgarden, that kind of stuff. That was big, and there would every once in a while there'd be a band that would come out like I was trying to talk talk with someone the other day about this or remember who it was, and it kind of sparked our conversation, sparked it. And I was like, man, I remember when Hum put out a song and they had like um, I can't remember the name of the song, but she thinks she missed the train to Mars. She's out back counting stars. There's like a riff in that song where they're like palm muting. And I remember hearing stuff like that on the radio station, trying to record it onto a cassette tape. So you're listening, you're hearing them play the song. They say, this is so-and-so by hum. And you're like, oh, put your tape in. And you like, you hit record. And like, that's the only way you found music unless you had enough money to go to like the tape or CD store, you know? So, um, <laughs> right. The tape store. Uh, there was a place called Tape World that I used to go shop and buy Tape World CDs, okay. CDs and tapes at. Um, and I remember just man, just like that that like palm mute, the way that sounded. And I met a kid named Matt who ends up, you know, we started bands and he was in Beloved and Advent with me, but you know he he brings this whole like love of heavy music with him. He loves Metallica. He loves all the kind of stuff in that world. And then, uh, you know, I grew up in church, so I met two kids in my youth group and, and they were all into punk and hardcore and stuff, but I didn't know what any of that was until I actually went to their house for like a band rehearsal. And, but we were going to figure out what the band even was at our first rehearsal. Like there was, you know, you're eighth grade kids. You're just kind of like, uh, what do we do? You know, you just show up with drumsticks and you just play whatever's in front of you. And so we, um, I remember going into Josh, it's Josh and Isaac Deaton, their house. I remember going into Josh's bedroom and there was like posters all over the wall of CDs and tapes and bands and promo posters and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just like, I've never seen anything like this. I mean, it was like he had them like they were on top of each other. So it was no paint. There was no wallpaper. You couldn't see anything except for just posters and, you know, yeah. strong there's, arm. There, there's so much sta- yeah. there's so much stacked on one another. Yeah. That you can kind of it's like cushioned almost. Yeah. Like those uh those uh parkour bouncy like, yeah, you know, <laughs> playgrounds where you could just jump on. But it's just Dude, posters covered. <laughs> And so they started showing me punk and hardcore bands. And so I've got friends like Matt and friends like Josh and, and Isaac. And um, so really it was like my friends who were so influential. I just took whatever they told me was good and immediately latched onto it. And then I, my, my ear just became more um, attracted to like the, the extreme version of anything um, pretty quickly. So I got into, de- you know, I got into metal. I loved like death metal. I loved hardcore. And eventually as high school kind of went on and I had my hand in everything, I think like a lot of us do, we kind of just, we want to put, you want to put your arms around as much of it as possible and take it with you everywhere. You know, back in Absolutely. my day, you would carry your CD player and a few CDs that you wanted to listen to that day. And you're like cargo pockets, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, but I just, I think I just ended up like getting more into like the heart and soul 
of like hardcore and what it was about why like the why the why of hardcore and then the sound eventually of hardcore is where i kind of like and and when i say hardcore i mean like late 90s metal crawlover metalcore sound right. kind of all being blended into one there mm. uh but that's just the stuff that you know got me i don't know if that was a great answer i tried to give you a nope. little bit of a different answer from all the ones i've done before <laughs> <laughs> yeah I like this is the best so far <laughs> oh well that's good that's good that we're uh we're, you know we're the best out of all of them uh no, no no i i actually got to listen to a number of the different podcasts you did and you know there was a bunch of great answers and great hosts but with all that being said i guess there's a couple things that i want to go a little bit deeper on or circle back to the first just being like the the way of jamming and starting a band like back then versus now is like totally different nowadays it's like hey i've already like demoed out three to four songs it has programmed drums it has like you know all this stuff so crazy and then you're sending it to people versus like oh do like a do that do that like a, a fast beat or, or things like that and i feel like you know it, it's it's very interesting to see how the you know technology has maybe made songwriting and starting projects a lot easier but i've also had other people on the show um who have mentioned like you know will putney's like a pretty recent example where it's yeah. like back in the day that wasn't available so like you <laughs> like people were literally jamming like three times a week and really um building that connection on a musician basis from one another like tenfold you know yeah yeah so you learned how to you really like when you get in a room with people and I'm sitting behind a drum set and, you know, I'm staring at Matt and really it was me and Matt. And then you, we would add in whoever was in whatever band through the years. We just spoke, we just learned how to speak a language together, you know, like, right. And so I couldn't imagine actually starting off like in today's world where it's like, Oh, I've already got my YouTube channel and like, I'm a, like, I see so many of these YouTube drummers who are all amazing and they're like already established in their, in their drumming world. And then they join bands and it's like, dude, right. I, I was like, <laughs> I sucked. And, and then I joined the band, <laughs> like <laughs> joining a band is what made me good. And it's like, man, like all the, the advancements in social media and and the well the social platforms and the technology and just the um the ability to have like knowledge and um technical videos and mechanical videos and everything kind of showing you how to do what and when and where and how to play this and that like having that all at your fingertips such an advantage for today for like like these young musicians but it also it saddens me that there's probably a large number of people who won't experience just the simplicity of like just being terrible together and like, but then, but then actually like kind of like getting better and getting a little mm, bit better yeah, and great point and listening yeah, yeah. through your demo tapes and looking back on them. And there's yeah. something really cool about, I think both. I, I think about being a kid now and coming up in this world as a musician. I think it's it's unique, you know, like um, and I guess the way we did it was fairly unique in a way, too. But um, 
I guess they both have their advantages and, and they're both very meaningful. Um, mm-hmm. But for us, man, I think it was just about becoming friends. You know, so much of it was about becoming friends and um, you do a lot of life together when you're in a room two or three times a week, just like you were saying, that's so true. Beloved right. would get together twice a week, you know, Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. And a lot of times we would get together during the days when, when none of us uh, were on our schedule, wherever we worked, you know, with our little jobs right. before we started touring and stuff. So we, you know, we just spent time together. I think it's about time, you know, Mm, like yeah that's any, yeah it's, any it's about investment art. and buy-in yes absolutely yeah i think like it's you know like i i definitely want to get eventually to like the the ends of sanity uh set but what's crazy like i'm a big ends of sanity fan uh you know that's james awesome. uh came i think he was uh episode two of season two so that you know he came awesome. early on um you know you know like i i think it was funny because i was able to guess all of the um all of the guest spots minus yours because like oh. i think it was just so quick and he's like i'm like oh my gosh joe from Advent, that's dope <laughs> um but uh their their first set together they had like never jammed like it's just so wild like you know and i think you know the world evolves and and people adapt and, and things change but i do think that there is like if you I, I don't think that the magic changes when you're like spending that like really intimate time with one another to really like build like because you like what you were mentioning of, of not only being able to communicate people when you're writing something, but also when you're in a live setting and you're like, oh, like someone's string broke or the double kick yeah. and you're able to like navigate some of those things on the fly versus like, oh, like uh, I, I have no idea because we've actually never jammed the same room together. Yeah. <laughs> Those so those guys so you've got James Garrett, um, Meadle was playing drums at the time. He was in a uh, magnitude. Um, Ian that was in Dwell and Ian's played with a bunch of different bands. I mean he's so good. Him and his twin brother are amazing. But they're all friends. They have relationships. So I think that's what they may never have sure. rehearsed together, but they have a. Uh, I guess a succinctness just from just from doing life together. Um, sure. Yeah. But man, and you know, it's still individually. It. Yeah. Yeah. And and they still have the individual, like, you know, practicing beforehand. Yeah. And it's not, they're, just they're not so one good. of those. Yeah. They're they're Yeah. That's a great point to bring up that. Like when you've done bands and, and hardcore enough where it's like, you can do those kind of projects where everyone is all over the place. Yeah. But you can all come together and, and just do that. But yeah, shout out, shout out to James and, and ends of sanity. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big, big, big fan. James, um, James is just one of the best dudes ever. He lives like, uh, probably like 30 minutes in the direction where my finger is pointing that way from where I live. So I've gotten to know James over the past couple of years just by going to like lunch and dinner and hanging out, and sitting around a fire and finally, you know, uh, getting to see him scream for the first time with ends of sanity was was a good moment for me, even for my heart. Absolutely. I know it was for him, too. But 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So l- let's kind of, you know, we've gotten a little bit of the origin story when it comes to Joe. Um, let's yeah. fast forward a little bit because, you know, I, 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 like Advent doesn't seem to be the band that's like trying to be the busiest or do the most. It's, it's more like very selective of when you guys like kind of pop up and surprise people. So, yeah. um, you know, the the first thing that I initially saw was the Snow and Flurry 2019 um set and you know being able because like especially growing up in like winnipeg where like i had tons of friends who like were big and advent fans from all all throughout like southern manitoba when they knew that i was getting to see you guys and capture set they were like super jealous and and watched that set multiple (laughs) multiple times um can you just talk to me about that set uh for you and kind of like what 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 went into it because like we're saying like you guys kind of like pop up so it's yeah. I, I think I remember a specific moment where you're like, I, I threw my back out landscaping, so I'm not going to be moving <laughs> as much. So like, t- talk to me about that from your angle, dude. So that that show was the only show that we played in 2019. <clears throat> I think that we had attempted to play some shows earlier that year, and they just fizzled out because for Advent we we used to all live in the same place. And then back in 2012, Mike moved out to Portland with some guys from a band in Greensboro called Giant or Brave Young. Um, okay. And he's buddies with the guys in The Body, if you know who The Body is. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. like, they all moved out together to Portland. And then eventually Jordan moved out to Nashville. So, really for us, like, and that was after Advent broke up, after we broke up you know, um, and once we kind of came back around the curve and we got back together, it was just hard to book a lot of shows just because every time we want to play a show, there's got to be a flight involved and hardcore is not a money machine. And we, we never try. And like, we're not one of those bands. We're not trying to get big guarantees. I'm not trying to walk away with a, you know, a stack in my wallet which I think is fine if, if that's what a band wants to do. So I'm not saying anything about other bands in that way, but Mm. it's always a plus if you make a little bit of money from a show, that's great. It's like what, I mean, but that's not, that's not the, that's not the, uh, the purpose, you know, the the center point of why we do it. So for us, there was, there were flights involved. Jordan lives in Nashville. Me and Johnny are here. So the logistics just kind of kept us from being really busy. Um, right. But you're right. When we do, when we do play shows, it's intentional. We want to make sure that it's, that there are shows that we believe in and that are special. Um, even if it's just an opportunity to see each other, <laughs> you know, it's like, dude, we <laughs> right. haven't seen each yeah. other and they're, they're <laughs> offering for us to get together. Like, let's go make the best of it. So yeah. I was so excited about, hope that motorcycle going by is not insanely loud. There's like, no, you're fine. I'm sitting on my front porch. You can probably tell. Um, mm. But that show in Minneapolis for us uh, meant a lot because our we we had heard that our friends in Relentless were going to be playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was another band that day. I think we were so excited to just even see any of the guys in Relentless. And we love Minneapolis because the few times that we got to play there – it was just always awesome. And we played that spot where the fest was, you know, back in 2009 with Vania on that tour, oh, on that tour. Nice. 
that you probably like a day or two before you um, were at that music festival. Um, oh, really? Yeah. In, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, because yeah, pretty- I don't... We I were don't there. Think... We were there. I don't think we played, but I think that we were there. So got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think the year was it was the year I graduated. So it was 2011. Okay. Um, okay. So I think like I'm trying to think of the headliners. I think for today headline one day. I, yeah. I remember plea plea was playing. It was the first time I saw Gideon, which was like yeah. honestly a life changing moment for me musically. Like it was yeah. just absolutely wild um but yeah it was uh that's so crazy that like again like so many of the t-shirts and and i think i ended up uh snagging um something later on but uh yeah it's it's crazy that you guys were that you were there but maybe not playing per se yeah i think we were just hanging out um but we yeah i mean it was for us like it's intentional when we get together um we don't get to do it very often just because of the logistics now Mike Mike is back in um Nashville. So Mike moved from Portland to Nashville just at the end of last year. So oh, he's, okay. So now we the frequency might increase a little bit. So we've already gotten together and started, you know, writing stuff, which I'm sure we can talk about that if you want to, but sure. Um so we've we've started that process and it's like just because we're closer, it's like, dude. We can do this now. I know we're old. We're old. <laughs> mm. But we can do it again for a little, you know, like, so we've got energy to do it. So, uh, but yeah, man, I, I don't even know if I answered your question. <laughs> no, no. I, 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 I like the idea of when you, when you're older in, 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 in the different phases of life where it's not like the, going to your buddy's house after school and jamming and just writing like crappy songs and then like kind of bringing it together. Now it's like in a space where, you know, you guys are quote unquote professionals as far as what you write, like professionals in the sake of, in the sense of, you know what you want and you know what sounds good and you know how to execute that properly. Yeah. And and it's like, yeah, it can be selective versus like feeling like you're going to go out and play a random show to maybe no one versus yeah. like, Hey, let's, let's do this little thing to surprise our friends and be Dude. able to like create some special memories with all of all the band members. I yeah. think that's, that's awesome. Do honestly, we're at a place where it's like, man, we see so many bands that just, I know it was really hard the past two years to do this, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of bands who like tour. I feel like they tour because they know that they have to, all the time like if you want to stay relevant you got to release the single you got to like you know the way this is all changing you just got to put something out and you got to you got to make a touch like every few months like put something out there and almost like commodify everything um and we're just so lucky because any there's like even if it's just a few people we still have some people that care when we play wherever we go and so we're just like we'll just make the best out of that we've never tried Mm -hmm. to be the biggest band we used to turn down i mean insane tours insane tours because it just didn't make sense for us and people would be like dude why did you turn that tour down what are you thinking i get calls like what are you dude i'm giving you this crazy tour and i'm just like it's not a it's not about that for me like we sold out rooms don't mean a thing to us like it's so 
but we just we get to do it and there's a few hundred people that will show up to a show and sometimes we get to get on an airplane and go really far from where we live and play a show and like it means something to those people so honestly to us like that's it that's yeah that's what more can we ask for (laughs) totally and i think it's definitely it's definitely different for everyone some people just have it in them that they just want to to see their their dream through and, and play to more and more people and and I think that's great too. I think that's I awesome. don't think that there's yeah, and I don't and I don't think there's any, you know, there's anything wrong with like being a super good regional band and kind of doing your thing really well and like being able to bring out like 200 people to a show is like compared to anyone like any normies in in the world like no one else has that level of influence so i think just being able to be like stoked on being have having that level of like being able to create something that you're proud of and having and enough people to to resonate yeah. uh that resonate with that and bring that out it doesn't yeah. need to be like you go from the basement to like the the bar to like the amphitheater <laughs> you know like like I, I honestly probably would be super content with like never playing that level of a show because yeah. for me, like playing to like a few hundred people and having people like who who actually care and are there and are invested and in, and in participating, you know, whether that's you know stage diving or just like singing along, like that to me is like the ultimate win versus trying to play to like the highest amount of people ever. Yeah, for for me personally. Yeah, dude. I, I agree. I've I've done I've played the what's the, the the Edmonton Oilers that arena. I've played that arena with a band sold out. Literally however many 18 19,000 people fit in that thing. Mm. And I've played in front of somebody was I had you know I worked with uh kids like middle schoolers and they were what is it like to like be in a band and all this kind of stuff? And they're like, what's the biggest place you've ever played? And you just kind of list them off. And have you ever played in a Coliseum? And you're like, yeah, I've done it. Well, well, how awesome is that? And I'm like, I'm like, it's awesome. But honestly, like, and I tried it when you're trying to tell a 12 year old this to like, I think some kids get it, but some kids are like, you're dumb. Like, they're like, why would you think that playing in front of 200 people at like a community center under fluorescent lights, um, why is that more meaningful than playing it at the Edmonton Oilers arena? You know, like, and I can't actually explain that in words to them. It's really yeah. hard. I still struggle with it because I don't know why it's more meaningful, but. Um, I wouldn't say it's necessarily better, but to me, it's more meaningful um, mm-hmm. that there's like, you know, like playing when you're playing in front of that many people and you're just kind of like a thing on a stage and you're like, there's a click track telling you one, two, three, four. And you're like <laughs> doing your thing. Like, it's like totally, totally awesome. Cool. I just got paid and I'm going to fly home. Great. Awesome. But then yeah, like yeah. when you go to Minneapolis and you play and there's somebody grabbing your shirt and you can see a tear going down their face and they're screaming something right back at you. How could that not be more meaningful? Oh, you know, I absolutely. And I think like 
yeah, when 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 someone's on the outside or like of the age of the people that you're speaking of, I think it is like, well, no, like more people is better because it's more money and you know more attention. And it's like there there are those there are those opportunities and experience that some bands get the get the chance to play where it's like you're playing to like you know ten thousand people let's say or or twenty thousand people and it's like yeah. see like you like I always when I would like look back at like some of those like um like Ozfest or even like even just going back in like Woodstock just like how many people I'm like that's just like a wild wild like like visual experience for sure yeah if you're so like playing sick. something and seeing that many people um but that being said it's like it's i totally agree where it's like there's there's like more of an, a meaningful connection and interaction when you're playing those like shows where not only are people in your face but they can come and talk to you afterwards versus yeah. like if you're just playing like the super bowl and then it's like as soon as you're done your three songs and you know people are clapping you yeah. get like walked into a certain area and then you just <laughs> go home you know it's like yeah. cool we might have like gained some more fans and you know we got paid a, a good lump sum of money to do this this level of, of an opportunity but like i would much rather have those be the um um be the 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 minority versus the majority of the shows I'm playing have uh, a bigger why to them. Yeah, I think that's why I like hardcore so much um, <laughs> because I feel like at the even through all, all the trends and all the silly stuff and like a lot of the stuff that really doesn't mean anything, there's still that at the center. It's like the why is is so important, you know. So yeah. Um, it's weird to be 39 and I'm like, man, I've been listening to this music for 25 or 26 years and I still like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, That's you know, what, like going, why, why is why? So. Yeah. I think going back to what you said, where it's like, um, there's, I think what it, I have said this on the podcast before. It's like originally what gets you in the door is the the heaviness and like the crazy like instrumentation of things but i think what 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 um what keeps people in hardcore is like the message and the overall like bigger why of like you know people talking about important things um being able to express themselves and create art and meaningful uh experiences so uh let's use that as a little bit of a a, a segue or a transition uh you were mentioning like you know listening to this music for so long and like the different trends that you've seen climb and then decline um so you know like definitely you know i have a little bit of a bias when it comes to like um getting into this music through a lot of like uh you know the christian hardcore stuff and like you know definitely when i was like getting into it it was like spirit-filled hardcore was like always a, a topic of conversation so it was like yeah there was definitely like bands that were like kind of quote-unquote in that um that um not like radio-friendly christian hardcore but it's like there's like the yeah the like more mass that. appeal hardcore stuff Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. And yeah. then there was like kind of the stuff where it's like you guys and Venya and like seven star and all those like bands that were like, we will still like, we are like not, we, we can play those like more giant festivals that have a good collection of those bands, but we'll still go out and play the DIY shows. So 
it, it's it's interesting because like even one of the most uh pivotal bands for me growing up especially being here in canada was means so like you know dylan got to come on the show and, and talk about that phase and just kind of like uh, a strange transition when like kind of like melodic hardcore was like kind of at like an all-time high and then yeah. just kind of like plummeted and like it it's strange now seeing um i don't know if you listen to no bragging rights um but i know who they, they are yeah yeah so they like they broke up and then just had recently like came back and i'm like it's 2022 and like i understand like the melodic side of it but it's just weird hearing that in this current um time frame when it comes to heavy heavy music so this is a long-winded you know way of getting to the overall question that, that i'm trying to ask <laughs> you but i'm just kind of curious on how you saw you know things within your guys's space and you guys are still a band and, and are continuing on um but i'm just kind of curious from your perspective of, of how or why maybe like some of those things maybe had fade away because at the time when i was getting into it at the late 2010s it was like or early 2010s, I should say, it was like super prevalent. It felt like it was like embedded in a lot of the the current music. So curious on your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think um, not to simplify my answer to such an, a really, I, I really like that question. I don't think I've ever been asked a question like that. Um, I think, man, for me, like the sounds come and go, just like you said, that there's there's trends, there's like, I mean, there's obvious, like when one band that has this unique sound kind of pops up out of nowhere, and then the, the um, emulation, I don't know if that's the right word, like emulate, you know, the bands that want to emulate that kind of rise up after that. And then there's a whole scene that kind of starts to, you know, be built around that and I think those things should come and go. They should come. There should be new bands that bring new sounds and inspire other bands to do that. But I think, you know, you see so many bands, they start and then they stop in hardcore. Like a, a, the generations of hardcore are like three to four years at a time. It's like, hmm. so, you know, like bands come and they're doing really well and then they just kind of stop or they break up or they split off into new bands or whatever. But I think like it's, I think it, as we see the, these bands come and go in different sounds and, and maybe even like throwback sounds, like I think right now, and even in the past, like two or three years has been like a resurgence of like the nineties sound into like the modern, you know, the modern hardcore sound, metalcore sound. Mm. And I think, a lot of those bands will probably go away and that's totally fine because you have to keep moving and progressing in life and you go on to different things and you start different bands or you get a job or whatever. But I think when we build something just based on an exterior thing that comes and goes, then it's easy for that to just kind of blow away with the wind. But like, mm. you know, for me, like I see guys and I don't even know this guy, but you see a guy like Joe Hardcore, who's like an established person in Philly. And he's built this like amazing festival that happens every year. And there's like this centrality, this this core group of people in each city kind of around the country. And there's 
you'll see like a guy still showing up covered in tattoos with gray hair, still going to show, standing near the edge of a pit, and he's singing along to some young band. What's inside of him and what, why he's doing it is what kind of helps him to keep going to shows. And that's the thing, like for me, like I see bands come and go, but I see the people that make up a lot of those bands a few of those guys will stay and they're just kind of like oaks in the hardcore in their local hardcore scene and to me that's like right that's what makes me believe in in this thing you know so that there's something that has staying power to it even when the sounds come and go because let's let's talk about in a very flattering way but like i think about turnstile the way they've like progress their sound is pretty crazy and those guys are still here doing it they've had to progress in order to kind of like keep people interested or maybe they feel like that but either way they're putting out really cool stuff and they're bringing new kids in and some of those new kids are going to stick around for the next 20 years after i'm could be dead i don't you know i don't i don't know or they may just go on and do different things in this moment of their life was a thing they look back on they're like man i had a lot of fun when i went to shows in 2021 and 2023 you know and like that's mm-hmm. just a moment of their life and you know and then they get back to dinner you know i don't I, like um but i i think it's like the people the sounds come and go but the people stay the people that are oh who is that this is my uh my younger dog minnow <laughs> I, I just oh, saw something in, in her mouth and I was like, is that, you know, is oh. that like a sock or is that something more dangerous? So, um, I, uh, you know, to, to continue off your point though, I think it's, I think it's very to me. And, and, and again, I, I'm trying to check, um, you know, to make sure that this, you know, there, there might be some, you know, uh, checking, checking a privilege here, but to me, it feels very hardcore is a very easy genre to get into. And, you know, there it's very welcoming. Like, you know, there's most shows are like all ages and the barrier is, you know, very, it's very accessible. And I, and I, yeah. and I'm a firm believer that hardcore should always and forever be accessible. I think it's, it's hard to stay because it's, it's like this kind of thing where, you know, you can get in a, you can go to a first show experience and have a crazy, you know, time and, you know, just like feel that energy that I think everyone listening to this podcast can definitely attest like, yeah, I went to this show and, you know, felt, you know, had this experience and it kind of cemented that. But I think it's hard to stay because it is kind of like, uh, like, uh, you kind of, there are very few people that are like actually married to like the noise in, in a bit of a way, you know, like they're, you know, their, yeah, their activity yeah. levels might rise and fall throughout different points in their life. And when you have a family or you have a, yeah. a career, but you know, like, you know, it, you always will come back to that central idea of like going to like a, a small little show and playing. And then, yeah, you could have a band like relentless. That's like, you know, dudes in their forties and fifties and have kids on the side of the stage. And then, you know, a band, a brand new band that like most of the members are still in high school. I think, yeah. I think that's amazing to it's be pretty a part crazy. of that community. It's pretty crazy. Absolutely. Like yeah. I, when you were saying that, I was just thinking about like a guy, like, again, I don't know Joe very well. Um, or really at all, but, um, but 
he's been booking shows and I, and just take any Joe, like anybody around, like these guys who are uh, literally built their whole hardcore scenes. And arguably he's helped keep a lot, the scene in the country together just because of what he's doing. But like, right. He's seen so many bands come and go, and he's had to meet new people over and over and over and over and establish relationships. And then maybe, you know, there's some old school hardcore band that comes around. He hasn't seen these guys in 10 years, and that's the relationship that he's really close to. But he's still got to keep these young bands moving through and, like, keep them interested and excited and give them a good show and do everything that he can to make sure kids in Philly come out to their show. It's just mm-hmm. a lot of hard work, man. And it's hard to keep energy for anything, really, these days, it feels like. <laughs> and the yeah, older it, you- it's, I, I was just going to say, like, me and my friends have had this conversation multiple times where it's like the, you know, whether you're starting to get into hardcore and fit at age 15 or 16 or whatever, like that time frame feels like there are so many options now to like you know maybe you're into watching youtube videos and you're like into this one youtuber or you're like really into yeah. sports and do like there's so many options and there's arguably like people just like trying to you know promote and advertise it to you so much now so like if you're not making it accessible for your hardcore scene to like make make it available for people to come to shows like book booking the bands that you know are like you're doing more a favor for the band versus what the band is going to do for your show like yeah. that is like you know speaking for myself like there were so many pivotal moments of like if i didn't if i wasn't granted this opportunity or this person didn't take a chance on me or even this person just like dming me back or whatever it is like I might be on a totally different uh, path as far as like, you know, yeah. I might li- like I, I know that I've always been a fan of this music, but I think the drive to like do something more than just be a passive listener, um, you know, like uh, I, I feel like I could share this with you because like, you know, uh, you're involved in church and I, I grew up in the church as well. Um, yeah. And, you know, the the pastor when I was like growing up at the time, he always said, this thing at the at the end of all his sermons he was always saying step out of the crowd and become a part of the story and for me like you know whether whether you you have faith or or not i feel like that is such an applicable thing of like it's very easy just just to stand in the crowd and watch the parade go by it's another to actually take a step forward and 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 make something of yourself and be kind of a part of that um thing that's moving forward that's really cool honestly wow yeah. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so with all that being said, um, you know, something else like I, I feel like my my personal like kind of view of like different um faith things has definitely like shifted over the years. But I think one thing that I've always yeah. kind of come back to that I am still like grateful for, and I feel like not very many people make this connection, is like to me a lot of the the moral standing of a lot of different things within like the uh the faith or christian upbringing is like arguably like kind of similar to things in in the hardcore space so like i i remember when i i would like try to explain what straight edge was to like someone at uh at my, at my christian high school and i was like yeah it's like yeah people don't like there there are people 
that believe in not getting drunk and you know those kind of things but uh you know they're not christian they they was like i can't explain that so you know uh from from your perspective like how has that been for you where i i feel like there is borderline like a, a definitely a bunch of bands that would kind of like get into that mix of like we're just like branding ourselves as a christian band because like that's like a you know, we'll get on this label and then we can get on these things and it becomes more right. of a businessy thing. And I felt like with you guys, even seeing, um, you know, you guys at Snow and Flurry, it's like, like, these are the still the things that we believe in and we can like talk about it on stage, but we don't have to be pushy in that way. So I'm kind of just curious on like your experience, like through all the years of that and like how you, how you feel like a lot of those morals actually have some overlap. Yeah. Um, I specifically remember one time when Advent, we would, and we would get asked all the time to do Christian tours. I mean, like you wouldn't believe. So, hmm. um, and we said no to probably 95% of them. We said yes to a big Christian tour one time because Living Sacrifice was on it. And that's like one of my favorite bands. That's one of collectively one of our favorite bands ever. Sure. Um, but we man, like I remember standing on or standing side stage and watching Tommy, who's a good friend of mine from a band called Sleeping Giant. Yeah, like, Tommy Green. Literally like preach in between songs. And for a moment, I was like, Am I supposed to do that? Like, I believe everything. I probably believe everything that he's saying and I back what he's saying. But like, am I supposed to do that, too? And I felt this kind of like gut check. And I don't know if, if I ever got to the bottom of it. And I think it's always something that I've struggled with. I've been on the phone with like him and had Jake, you know, Jake Lors has come over to the house and spent the night. And I've been on the phone with Maddie from for today. And, um, and I've talked about that. Like, man, I know we, we just weren't a band like you guys. Like we, we didn't have the stage. I never felt like I, I, I could do that in a way. And, you know, Maddie had his way of kind of talking me through that and Tommy, the same thing and Jake, same thing. And, um, I think each one, each one of them were just like, man, you just had your own space. Like the way that like other bands looked at you guys, I feel like, I don't know if Jake said it or if Tommy said it, it might've even been on a call with like both of them at the same time. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm trying to like piece together some things in my head, but um, you know, I'm thinking about, how one, one of one of these guys it's i'm sorry i'm taking so long i just want to get this no, you're right good. somebody somebody said like you know like each band has obviously each band has their their place their place in the scene and a different way that they communicate things and i just i guess i just never felt the the pressure to have to say things in between songs like they did and you know, preach, I guess, the gospel from stage like that, because 
I think for so much of my life, I just, for me, and, and, you know, I'm a, I, I'm actually not a pastor anymore. I don't work at a church anymore as of like two weeks ago, which is a totally, totally oh. good thing. I still go to the church. I'm still part of the church, volunteer at the church. I'm working at the coffee shop tomorrow morning. Mm. Christians in their coffee shops. You know how we are. Um, <laughs> su- super goofy. Uh, but I believe in the, I believe in the gospel. I believe in it. 100%. I think it's the truth for me. It's it's for me. It's the truth. And I think it's the truth of the world. And also I'm sitting, you know, on a zoom call with someone who may not, who may, who may think differently. And I'm, that's just kind of the beauty of hardcore. Mm. Actually, that's just the beauty of being a human sometimes is that you can just sit and have a conversation <laughs> with people who you don't agree with um, or may have a different perspective viewpoint. Mm. But um, I just, uh, just never felt the pressure one to do that i believed wholeheartedly in every word that we wrote down you know for lyrics that i wrote down for lyrics and for for me that that is when a hardcore band says what they want to you know says what they want to say um Mm. that is the that is the true expression of your heart is like you know that that's what hardcore is it's an expression of who you are what you believe your anger, your love, everything all wrapped up in the one. And so I never felt the pressure. I used my lyrics and uh, I just was okay with like just making relationship with people. And, um, you know, for me, I guess like being a, you know, a city on a hill, you know, like not hiding the light under, you know, a, a basket. You know, like mm. I, I just had a relationship with people, man. And honestly, mm. by the end of like, I'm thinking about like the Rain Supreme, the Rain Supreme tours that we did with the Carrier and Shy Halud and other really rad bands. I remember Joe, the drummer, was just like, "What's up with you guys? Like you and Johnny, man. What's what's so? Why are you guys so different? Why do you always like?" when somebody says something to you, why do you just like, kind of like, why are you so nice? <laughs> right. What's this thing about like, I mean, he watched me practice forgiveness, you know, like hardcore shows. We got snubbed all the time. We, t- we had people tell us they didn't want us to even play at their show, even though they booked us mm. to come play. They found out who, oh, they're a Christian band. And we're just like, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. We can play whenever you can push us around, whatever. Like, and we kind of lived out our faith in a way without having to be reactive to everything. And Joe was just like, that's so weird. Like, why do you do that? And I remember just sitting like on a curb in front of like a cookout or like, you know, um, and I was like, this is why. And I just kind of talked to him about it. And he's just scratching his head. Like, that's so crazy. Like that, like, that's what you believe. And I'm like, yeah. Like treat people the, the way you want to be treated, love people, no matter who they are, what they believe, forgive people like to an extreme degree. Like that's what that, that is the gospel it's, mm. forgiveness to an extreme degree. Yeah. So that's like, it just baffled people. And I think that's how we established who we were in the hardcore scene because we weren't trying to yeah. push anything. 
And I don't think that Tommy and, and Maddie and um, Jake and any of those guys are really trying to push anything. They're just saying who they are and what they believe to know, you know, that they know to be the truth. So they're just being genuine to who they are. And I guess I was just being genuine to who I was in that season of my life. Like everything that I do and everything that I say off the stage is just as important as any word that comes out of my mouth on the stage. That's, 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 that's what being a uh, Christian is, you know, for me is like, who are you when no one's looking? Who are you when it's just you and the homeless guy and no one's watching? Like, where are you going to give that guy? Are you going to show up Mm -hmm. for your friend when he's in prison? Are you going to write a letter to him? Because nobody else is going to see that and you're not going to be on stage doing it. So. Yeah, I think, um, I think overall, like it's definitely people within that space have a level of, of conviction and they want to lead their band with that conviction. And, you know, there's definitely a lot of parallels with like other, you know, quote unquote, um, veins of hardcore where it's like, no, no one's giving the the straight edge band like a hard time because, uh, you know, that is founded within that community. But it's like those yeah. people are convicted to being like to talking about, uh, you know, people within their lives who abuse drugs. And that's like propelled them to start the band, write different songs. Um, and I think that is like maybe maybe the one difference with like, you know, uh, it's not like veganism and straight edge was like, um like bit like grew up with like I guess straight edges but like a lot of those things have like clear parallels and like I don't feel like when people talk about you know Christianity with the way that you and I are kind of discussing it kind of like okay well no there's there's a a bridge that needs to be broken there and I feel like yeah like a lot of things with forgiveness you know uh welcoming people no matter who they are and and what they've done and you know i think to a degree with a lot of these things because everything is you know needs context um but all all those things it's like for me i found so much value in in being able to i think without that upbringing for me i think a lot of the things that of how i would approach things would just be totally like too much in one direction like black or white versus looking at a lot of the the gray that is embedded in a lot of life things for sure. Yeah. Can I just say when you were talking about how hard it was to explain what straight edge and all that kind of stuff yeah. was to your fans that didn't know. Yeah, yeah. I remember being at like jobs, like or even at church. Like even at church, you know, there there'd be an old guy like, Joe, why the speed metal, man? Why the speed metal? <laughs> And it's like, or like, what, what is that all about? You know, they'd see like a video on Instagram. Like my wife showed me a video of your show. What that, that's just crazy. And, but you're trying to explain even to like a, like a teenager. When, when I was a teenager, teenager, I'm trying to explain to other kids that I worked with at like the mall, like what is straight edge? And you're just trying to like, you think that they, you think that they are kind of there with you. They're not Mm -hmm. there with you. Like, Straight edge is, um, you know, it is counterculture to the way that the world abroad is. Hardcore is counter, intuitive counterculture to the way that the world abroad is. That's why I think that I was so attracted to it because people didn't get it. Mm. And I was like, I felt so lucky or blessed that I did. 
that I got it. Like I got it at like a deep level. Like I remember going to an undying show and they were playing songs off of an album called this day, all gods die, which is so funny. Mm -hmm. A Christian kid is at a undying show and they're, and so many of their songs are about how silly what I believe in is, but I still (laughs) connected with this guy's like ferocity and the fact that he had something burning inside of him that he wanted to scream it in front of 150 kids at a venue that had one light bulb hanging down and there's water everywhere because it leaked. And like, it was a terrible, a terribly awesome venue. And you're in the moment and he grabs you by the shirt and he's like screaming into your face and you're terrified because it's one of your first like real show experiences away you know mom didn't drop you off this time like you drove with your friends you're the only kids from your little small town there everybody there's guys with like bandanas over their faces they're moshing throwing stuff spin kicking and you're just like this guy just grabbed me and screamed in my face and like Mm -hmm. you know pointed at me and i don't even know what he said but that thing you just get it you just get it and then you take it with you back into your normal life. And you've got people who are asking you, like, why do you do this? Like, that music sounds so weird. You don't listen to this. And you're like, no, I, I like this. And they're like, well, why don't you, we're going to go out and get freaking trashed. And you're like, no, actually, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm straight edge. And they're like, that doesn't make any sense to me. You're 19 years old. Why would you do that? And you're like, right. Because I don't live like everybody else. Because I don't want to live like everybody else because I want to be different. And so it's, and it just boggles people's minds that there's anyone who wants to do something different than what every other person, you know, on the earth is doing. I guess that's what a black sheep is, you know, like you just, you just live differently. So, Mm -hmm. but I love that. I like being the in, intentionally the outcast in rooms it's like man for me it's the badge you know so uh yeah i do think you know there's definitely uh something i want to circle back to but to tie the two connections here one of the questions i had is you know i'm, I'm sure you've you've had i think anybody that comes from the heavy music space has had their their weird experience with trying to explain something or had someone like approach it like what what is the speed metal and you're like you know I know our music is fast but like have you heard of this band they're way faster um, but I'm curious about like what is the weirdest like normie thing that someone has said about your music I remember being so my my wife and I we were dating and we went to the fair it was like in between tours. For some reason, we were not gone in the fall one time, which is like, that is the time of the year where every band back in the early 2000s was, you know, just crushing a tour. I went to the fair and I remember, like, it just boggled my mind because this kid was dating my my sister who's five years younger than me. So I'm like 20, 21, 20 or 21, and they're at the fair. And this kid's like 16 and he's like, Joe, what's up with the screaming music, man? And it's like, dude, are, are you 62? What do you mean what's up with the screaming music? <laughs> First of all, I could literally 
I I could DDT you right now, like on the concrete. <laughs> Don't you're dating my little sister. If right, I wanted right. to ruin this for you, I could ruin this. We're at the fair. This is like the capital of all street fights in the month of <laughs> October. Like that's where everybody, that's where every redneck in town goes to get in fights. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody's walking around with a chip on their shoulder at the fair, just waiting for somebody. And you're 16. What do you mean? What's up with the screaming music thing? It's like, dude, how old are you? Like, <laughs> it's called being a kid. Like, right. We're, you know, I don't, I was just so frustrated. I, I'm always so, I, I'm blown away. I actually have a drum student. I teach drum lessons and I have a drum student and he's like, man, I tell you what. And I understand that people like different styles of music. Totally. But totally. I'm like, Dude, no, your music you know, taste. Hardcore isn't. Yes. It's not for not everybody. Forever. It's not for everybody. And I'm glad. I'm glad. Yes. Yes. But that's dude, a great point. for real, like you don't have one friend that listens to something that's like outside of the box. And that's your young creative like stage in life that you're living, you can't even fathom for a second that somebody would listen to something that's not like gospel music from the eighties. Like, I, I don't know what right. this, that kid listened to or like, but it just always, it just bothered me. Like when a, when a kid tries to give me a talking to about my music, I'm like, Dude, who the freak are you? <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't yeah, know. It, 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 it's it's pretty funny, like, you know, but I think, you know, I, I've said it here on the show multiple times, like, I think there are good bands that anyone would like in every genre of music. It just takes time to, like, dig into some and and some are harder for individuals to dig than others. Yes. Like, you know, like for me, I'm not like a big country country head. But like the, you know, I know that like digging into some of those things, like you just have to like get under Ooh. like the the initial layer of like the, I don't even know, like any any of the country artists that like my my aunt just like loves, like yeah. Um, but like you know, you need to kind of go, and it's it's the same with hardcore. Like I know that some people are not going to go after um doing that, but maybe they find like you know, um, you know, an Amir or like something like that, where it's like a branch off of something yeah. else. Like, I think, I think music is just a big spider web and there's just like, maybe there's a, a, a connection point, but it's like a very long span yeah. away from one another. Yeah. And it takes you a while to actually get there. Yeah. Man, I, dude. Yeah. Nor I, I've had so many encounters and I think probably probably the ones on the road are great, great stories. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you're a band, when you show up to like a diner in the middle of like Nebraska and I've got like a pink mohawk, it's laying like right here. It's sloppy. And there's like, you know, in the early 2000s, somebody's got like a, uh, a studded belt on and like we were all wearing mm -hmm. like our small shirts and. And we get out of a van and, you know, we look like a band. People would definitely do the stop and stare. Not because they're like, you know, it's not like a bunch of, you know, badass cowboys walking into a saloon. <laughs> but it's like one of those moments of like, wow, look at these dudes. We're, we're going to have to figure out how to beat these guys up or like what get these guys out of our town or something, you know. So right. I, I don't know, man, like 
I, I miss those moments of being on tour and just like, man, like pulling up somewhere and it's like, we, we came, we ate and we left. And now that, now that town's trying to figure out who were those guys, but yeah, yeah. The normal I always, stuff I always home, think there's like the, the, you know, the, the stay at home, you know, like not, not to rag on the stay at home moms, but like the normie moms that are like coming back and like, Oh, Johnny, you won't believe what I saw at the grocery <laughs> store today. All these tattooed yeah. little little kids, and they all had their Red Bulls and their, you know, Pringles or whatever it is. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, to, to quickly jump back to one thing that you said, and then we can kind of move on to a couple other things. Um, you were mentioning on how watching someone like Tommy, uh, the way that he would do his, uh, you know, being a vocalist in a in a front person, all those things. It kind of like it was like, do, do I have to do that? And you're kind of mentioning like how to be a light. And I guess like something in my the way I was looking at a lot of those things is like, yeah, like there might be it, it's not necessarily a competition when it comes to like, you know, someone like Tommy is maybe like a, a lighthouse, you know, you know swinging around that's like yeah. very apparent but it could be as simple as something that's like a light post that has that like quote-unquote light yeah. to it but it's like both have value and neither is like both are needed I yes guess. yes so I, and, absolutely. I, and i do i do agree that like potentially some of those people that maybe listen to sleeping giant there's like uh, a pocket of people that are like that's the way that i needed to be communicated to when it comes to like yeah this um this ideology and then some people it was like a total push away and i think you know for you guys it seems very apparent that you have built not only fans but connections with people over the years because of like not being like the the craziest and i think that openness yeah. of being able to like oh this is just a i can actually be like myself with this person and don't and don't feel like joe or anyone else in Advent has like this secret agenda of you know now i'm gonna right. plant the seed and come come around this time and <laughs> you know do all this stuff so i think that's like just something i wanted to to circle back on there dude i think for Advent, man when it comes to like the christian scene and the non-christian scene and the hardcore scene and the blah 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 scene we were always we were either too christian for these folks over here, just because of the label that we put our music out on, we were just bound by contract terms, you know, like we, we had no right. choice. Not that mm -hmm. I'm complaining about putting a record out on solid state. Like people dream of that kind of stuff. I have a solid state jacket that I got in high school. Like it's <laughs> right. pretty crazy, you know, like um, we were either too Christian for these people over here that, that you know, we're just completely opposed to what we believe in. And I understand that. That's all right. And then we were not Christian enough for a lot of the kids who were like, I used to have people come up to me and say, Hey man, it'd be awesome if you like shared the gospel while you were on, while you were on stage. And I was like, I did. And they're like, when And I'm saying like in revival, I did. I shared the gospel. I shared the gospel mm -hmm. in this song. I shared the gospel in this song. Everything is, is sharing a piece of the gospel for me. Yeah. And they're just like, okay. So I don't know. We we got we didn't get accepted by this group, and we didn't get accepted by this group until people just individually just kind of actually take a look at what we're doing. And and right. us playing music wasn't even we weren't trying to be accepted by anyone. That's that's also mm. a piece. We're not. I'm not trying to be accepted by anyone. I'm just making art, and if it falls on 
the right ears, that's great. But like, I'm not dying for your acceptance or somebody else's, you know, like, I don't think any of us should. Any, you included all of these people. Like, we're not just trying to be accepted. We're just trying to be what well, authentic, I guess, to who we are. Yeah, so. totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's a great way to put it. Cause I think a lot of bands I saw, especially, um, after some of that, um, quote unquote, like the, the Christian or the spiritual hardcore, like a lot of bands like wanted to continue on, but they felt like they, they almost became like a, um, a caricature of themselves where it's like, Hey, maybe we've grown <laughs> as people and maybe we don't believe these same things anymore. So we, we still want to write music and do this stuff, but then almost getting like killed by their own community as far as, yeah, like, dude. um, you know, like I mentioned at the top of the uh, top of the show, Gideon was like a, a very in influential band for me musically. Yeah. Um, and to see them like get all this like backlash of them just being like, hey, we're just like not branding ourselves in this way. And a lot of their musical and lyrical content still kind of like stayed the same. It just maybe wasn't talking specifically about, you know, Bible verses and, and different you know, <laughs> themes on that area. It was maybe a little bit more intro perspective. I don't know. I just think it was like very strange for people. I love it. I love it. I totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree 100% with you. And I actually just feel for bands like Gideon. And I feel for bands because honestly, like, I think I saw it coming and I kind of like was able to get around the corner before anybody saw me kind of take a sidestep in life. But like mm. that thing where you unintentionally, you just pigeonhole yourself just because not, not, you're not like, we're going to be a Christian band so we can get on face down. They're going to yeah. give us a $4,000 bonus, you know, right. signing bonus. We're going to go to McDonald's twice. All that money's going to be gone, but we're going to like kill it. And like, I think there's a lot of people that think that Christian, that people will be in Christian bands because they're going to make some crazy amount of money and experience some kind of success that normal heavy bands wouldn't. And I don't think that's actually true, but I do feel for the bands, a genuine band, like the guys in Gideon and I think I think I've had conversations with a few of those guys and I actually like their music. I think they're awesome. Mm. And yeah, they get into a certain stage in their band where things have been going good. They start to feel a little differently about something. And now they're having to decide whether they're going to continue on in this really hard stance of where they're standing or if they're going to shift something and then to watch all these people who don't even really know them say things about them online. Right. I mean, That's we're living in, we're living in the creme de la creme of times when it comes to people saying things online about people they don't know. 2020, right. 2021, <laughs> and now 2022 is like just a festival of like say things about people you don't know and condemn them and do all this kind of stuff. But for bands like Gideon, for bands like, even for bands like Under Oath, I know the Under Oath, and I don't agree with them in the thing, but um, I love those guys and they have a right to believe what they want to believe and to watch a massive part of their fan base turn on them in a way. Sorry, there's a police car <laughs> doing, oh, there's a funeral going by. Dang, 
Mm. That's sad. Um, but to watch their fan base turn on them and like, you know, like crucify them. <laughs> it's like, hey, don't you realize you're doing the same thing that somebody yeah. did to that guy that you love that died on a cross? <laughs> like, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's something that I've just really struggled with is that um, the aspect where it's like the the behind the scenes like politics when it comes to like anything from that level to like someone at your local church who like has uh, a, a son or a daughter who is like struggling with something and it's like the talk of the the foyer before. Yeah, like, I just think that is like it, it's so counter to like, you know loving people unconditionally but like it's okay to do that and then it's like seeing all the stuff you know especially with gideon like a band that i'd like truly love like i have like lyrics from uh their second album like tattooed on my feet like you know it's very um seeing them just like wanting to grow as individuals and and again like you said everyone's path is different and you know there's there's i think you know if you're a spiritual person that's like a journey throughout your entire life i don't think you just like hit a magic moment and you're like this is it let's you know it'll never change or it, it you know is there's no growth that is so true. so yeah so i think you know being able to see them just get like uh yeah just obliterated and i'm like can we just like not see these as just people that are like just growing and you know they're at just this current phase and they still want to make music and why why are we dragging them through the mud? Like, yeah, it's weird when you see a bunch of a bunch of Christian kids get angry and start insulting people because it's like, <laughs> wow, I feel like you don't get it. <laughs> right, hundred percent. I feel like you don't get it. Yeah. Christian people insulting people <laughs> online. It's like, man. Let's get back to some basics here real quick. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, well, Joe, I got a couple other questions here before we start to wrap up. Let's go. I've been told you're a big pizza guy. I love pizza, man. <laughs> so first, first question right out the gate, pineapple on pizza. Which side of the coin do you fall? I'm like the, the quarter. I'm the, I'm the uh, infinity coin spin on that because i have no uh i'm that moment in um inception where everybody wonders did the did the the what is it called when the uh the (laughs) The the top or the yeah 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 i know exactly what you're talking about (laughs) did it fall or did it go (laughs) right right Um, i was gonna say you're more of like the coin flip but it lands right on like the middle instead of on either side (laughs) stops yes and everybody's like what I have no, I have nothing against pineapple, but I don't eat pineapple on pizza. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, no, I don't eat pineapple on, on pizza. But I've had it before, and I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What What would you say is like you know you know you and I let's say we link up one day in in uh, in North Carolina. What's like the top pizza? spot that you're taking me to and you're and you're choosing what i order you're doing in, doing that whole thing in my area there's yes. two places that i really like there's a place called cugino forno um it's like neapolitan style pizza um so you know 900 degree oven very um consistently baked and 
you know, cooked and finished, but you're going to have some char spots on the, on this part of the crust. And, you know, there's just going to be kind of blobs of mozzarella. It's not an old eighties, nineties style pizza joint, you know? So, um, it's not like walking into pizza. It's going to be different. Uh, Cugino Forno. And then there's a place called pie guys. Um, and they, pie they're guys. like, okay. Yeah. See, it's our, see, it's got a ring to it. It's like, Whoa. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like one of those joints where like they try to make the pizza look uniform and the cheese has got little Brown dots on it. Cause it's been baked just, just beyond, you know, like to, to the right point and the, the pepperonis are round and, you know, it's it's like a normal the pepperonis around <laughs> uh, versus and, rectangle or you know and the I like, octa- I like octagon rec- pepperonis. Hey, I slices. like cubed. I like it when when a place changes up and they cube their pepperoni and they char it. I don't think a I've little ever bit. seen that. Yeah, I, mean, I don't yeah. think I've ever seen that. That's wild. So um, when pizza goes three D, yes, yeah, <laughs> it's good too, man. Um, I like my pizzas done a little, like I asked them to like, leave it in there for an extra minute or two, you know, like I want it to be a little extra done, not like browned everywhere, but a little, I want the pepperonis to kind of curl up into a cup, you know, like that's my thing. So pie guys or Cugino Forno, those are two amazing places where we live. So gotcha. So, so it's like, Instead of the like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, like you take the slice off and it's like super stretchy. Like you're you you're cooking it a little bit longer than that, so it's like maybe not as much stretch. But yeah, like yeah, I got you. A little bit more color. I like color when I cook. So mm. yeah, got you. Do do you feel weird? Like, do you know anyone else of your friend group who like specifies the length of time that the pizza is in the oven for? Well, my wife definitely does. I think I got that okay. from her. <laughs> I that's something I, within your household yeah for sure yeah, yeah. Um, i think dusty dusty that's in beloved um i think that he does too he likes his a little bit he likes to see the dots and the crust kind of brown and mm-hmm. i just don't like it when cheese is barely melted when it's like dude is it even <laughs> like did it make it all the way through the oven did y'all pull it out early you know i don't know right i, I don't know i'm just weird like that have you ever gotten flack from uh, a waiter or waitress about like, well, no, we don't do like it's in the oven for as so long as it is. That like, Cugino, please. that Cugino Forno place is like one of those, like the menu is the menu. You don't add, you don't take away. You just, mm. they bring it out and however it comes out that day is the way you eat it. Okay. So you're like, so, I, I don't, I don't try to push my, my oven pizza agenda here. Yeah. You just got to find out where you're at and you know, yeah, yeah. it's kind of like the, the soup Nazi from, from Seinfeld. You're like, you don't yeah. want to upset them. And then there's like no pizza for you. And like, <laughs> <laughs> Man. Um, what, what, where's your favorite pizza? Where's yours? Um, yeah, that's a good question. So I live up, up here in Calgary, Alberta. Yeah. I would say, hey, I love the Boston best. pizza. I I know you probably are so over Boston pizza. I love Boston pizza. I love it. You know, it's really funny that you say <laughs> that because I think I saw this tweet that was really really funny. It was like Boston pizza is like, uh, like a a 
a guy's frat house and they're like, let's make like a like a, a dining experience change. Yeah. Because it's yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. got a bit of everything. I will I will say, um, you know, and this I this was like my go to uh before I stopped eating meat was getting the spicy pierogi pizza from there. Oh wow. And they would have the the cactus spicy cut spicy pierog pierogi pizza. Yeah. So it's like pierogies. Um, but like, kind of like, not like a, like, don't think about like a Greek yeah. whole pierogi. It's kind of like condensed and it's, it's almost like, uh, like a pepperoni as far as like the, um, uh, the size uh-huh. of like, okay. of that. So it's like that. And then there's cheese and then they would do like green onions and, and bacon usually. And, wow. uh, a hack that a friend of mine told was to get the spicy pierogi pizza, but then ask them to for the base and i think it would just be like sour cream would be the the base but doing it with the cactus cut dip that you would get at at uh at boston pizza and it was like game changing it was like we would it's been a long time since we've eaten boston (laughs) pizza because we're definitely more in that in that realm of that neapolitan style like you know something a little bit more classic but uh yeah it's it's funny that you say that because uh a new spot that my that my band started jamming at there. I knew that there was a Boston pizza and I was driving past it and I looked up and I guess it went out of business and it was like, just a, it's weird when a business will, will close down and then something will take it over. But you know, it has that extent, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's almost like, um, you know, when target is somewhere and then something else goes in and it's like, this is, this still looks like a target. Yeah. If you like looked at it, like, yeah. you know, on a moving bus or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> When's the last time you had Boston pizza? Man, I haven't been to Canada. Uh, last time I went to Canada was in like 2016. I played drums for a group that just needed a drummer for like two shows. Mm. And I think I got Boston pizza <laughs> then. Gotcha. Um, I think it was in Montreal. I think there's a Boston, Boston pizzas in Montreal. I don't know why there wouldn't be. I know they're a little yeah. different than everybody else, but um, uh, yeah, I think that was probably the last time, dude. Dusty and I, when the Almost would come, I played drums for a band called the Almost, and when we used to play in Canada all the time, all the right. time, we had fl- friends that would fly us up there and play for universities and shows, and you know that even that thing up in Edmonton. Um, we went to this place outside of Toronto. And I- can't remember the name of the town but i remember the name of the restaurant it was called moose winooski's and moose winooski yeah and it was right by <laughs> That's like the most canadian sounding name ever yes dude and it was right by a hockey world like right in the same shopping center as a hockey world and moose winooski's their pizza was fantastic dude fantastic oh so, i just googled it so it's in kitchener and that's where my grandparents live. So I, I might have oh, to ask them. So is that to... is that near Toronto? It's like maybe an hour and change away. So it, okay, it's okay. you know a small city in, in the in the region for sure. Dude, there was a hockey world right there. Dusty is a hockey freak. And then <laughs> we'd go to Moose Winooski's and it was awesome. I loved it. Yeah. Well, you know, shout out to <laughs> Moose Winooski's. Uh to answer your question though, as far as um, you know, good pizza here in Calgary, there's there's yeah. a spot um called noble pie that opened up Uh here a few years ago originally originally it was like out of a brewery and it was like so like no delivery no pickup like you had to be at the brewery to to get a slice and they would like sell out 
you know, because they would only make a certain amount of dough throughout the day. And then, you know, we would kind of do that. That's the way um, to do it. And then when the pandemic started, they kind of opened it up for like, you know, you can call and place an order for like a certain pickup time. And dude, literally it was like, I think it was Valentine's Day of last year. And we were like, let's try and get Noble Pie. And it was like, literally like pick up the phone, like call rings. And then I think the voicemail was, thanks for calling Noble Pie. If you're trying to place an online, uh, an online order, just hang up and call again. And then it would click. And I'm like, that is like not Whoa. a professional way to leave a voicemail, but like <laughs> respect that you know that your pizza is that good. Yeah, so like, yeah. It was literally like that for like 15 minutes straight. I got through and then like five minutes later, they posted that they were sold out for the day. So oh my if, gosh. if you ever make it up here to Calgary <laughs> with either beloved or advent, I'll make sure to take you guys there. And we'll that's amazing. Hit, hit some, uh, yeah, yeah, dude. Um, Joe, well, this has been a really great chat. Um, you know, we've hit on a lot of like fun things and a lot of meaningful things as well. And, you know, I'm, I'm really appreciative of you coming on the show. Um, the last question that I asked all my guests before, uh, we wrap it up officially is a favorite mosh related story that you would like to share. And, you know, you're you're clearly packed full of stories from over the years. Um, the mosh story could be something that's related to you, something that you just saw at a show that you're playing, whatever's first to your mind. Uh, so, well, uh, ends of sanity, you know, the ends of sanity stuff. Um, I play drums for ends of sanity now and Oh, don't. We, yeah. <laughs> Pretty cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and our show that we played back on January 6th, um, man, there were lots of really good freaking bands that played, I think pain of truth played, uh, yeah. They were all, it was a bunch of bands on their way down to SYA. And so we jumped on it because James booked the show. He's like the guy in our town. Um, and uh, our guitar player, Ian, who was in that band Dwell, um, mm -hmm. he's kind of a tall, tall guy. Uh, I guess this was right after I left. It was some kind of muscle head guy, you know, kind of like a disturbed, like skull. Uh, kind of um bandana kind of guy like oh, you know like we're wrong <laughs> yeah. who does know, the, like, the hands like, <laughs> the, like the metals like this like we're all these little you know put in any word you want to say that demeans someone in right there <laughs> in that space what are all these little blankety blanks doing out here and and like starts causing problems with like some guys well ian mm. ian choked this dude out to the point where he was like out ian trains in like kickboxing and muay thai and all this kind of stuff and ian is not a violent guy he's not he's just <laughs> this guy was trying to you know hurt people or start fights and like they're like how are we going to get this guy out of here and this they said this guy was like hey <laughs> ian's like say less i got it <laughs> the, the thing is there's a there's a muay thai gym in winston and there were about there was at least one of the super heavyweight fighters that was at oh, okay. at the show. And then there were about 10 other kids who all trained. This guy would have gotten his butt handed to him, um, but he ended up just getting choked out and, like, dragged outside. And then there were – the guy, like, pulled out guns or his girlfriend pulled out guns. You know, you're in America, so it's like – um, <laughs> yeah and i just i was getting like the play-by-play -play on my on our band group text and um 
but it was yeah yeah so that was a, the most recent one but uh, dude i've got so many mosh stories oh, of you know fights and all kinds of stuff like that but yeah you know the the mosh story segment is always open for interpretation whether that's a, <laughs> a really you know a crazy one really something really brutal yeah. uh you know something that's just like wholesome so um yeah i i think that's a great one where it like starts off with yeah someone who's who's trained in the ways of, yeah. of handling some of those people but i think as soon as the gun is introduced it always gets like oh shit like, like yeah, we've yeah. gone from here to here <laughs> like in that amount of time um, um there's a guy joe there's a guy named you got a you got a quick second yeah please rich yeah. Rich, rich thurston that was in terror and mm -hmm. other he was in a bunch of bands he's been in tons of tons of bands at first two album standing right next to rich thurston during the unearth pit at uh furnace fest 2002 mm. and he was demolishing people and i remember he just kind of looked i was standing right next to him he said hey man you might want to watch out and he i just kind of backed up and he started spin kicking and this dude is this dude is huge this dude is huge <laughs> he literally saved my life he saved my life from him like he warned me and then <laughs> yeah. he and he gave me the chance to kind of walk out and he just started spin kicking and crowd you know just demolishing people and then a couple years ago at fya he came up to add to me after our set and was like man that was killer and i was like dude thank you so much i was like I don't know if you remember this and he didn't remember, but I told him the story and I was like, thank you so much for not kicking me. Cause I was only like 140 pounds, man. You would have freaking yeah. killed me, dude. So yeah, he, he just that, I don't know why this reminded me. It's like, that's very much like how doc doc Ock and Spider-Man like forgets <laughs> like a lot of things when the, yeah, you yeah. know, the claws take control. So he's like, you might want to stay back. Just like, goes full like beast mode and you're just like whoa thank, <laughs> thank you for the fair warning at the very least whether you remember it or not yeah <laughs> yeah uh joe well again this has been a really great chat all of you know your links and advent's links and be uh, beloved links will be in the description and all the youtube That's awesome you know mumbo jumbos uh if there's anything you want to shout out plug or you know send the people off with i know that you said at the top of the show advent's working on some new stuff so as much as you can say um or any words that you want to leave the people um the floor is yours yeah dude so advent is working on new stuff uh we're like two and a half songs through however many songs we're gonna write we're gonna try and write six or seven i don't know ep full length we'll figure out where it goes but we're putting something out this year we're playing shows this year our Instagram and all that kind of stuff. We'll have all that kind of info, but keep your eyes out, keep your ears down to the ground and look out for us. Beloved's playing mm. a show with glass jaw. Um, it's kind of cool. Sick. So uh, I didn't think we were playing any more shows, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm busy in life and in, in music, you know, we're doing what we can, but if you, if you like Advent, we're going to put some stuff out for you this year. So. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was funny. Um, uh, when you shared that beloved show, you're like, oh, psych, we got one more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, again, Joe, really great to chat with you. I hope that maybe you can do this again sometime in the near future. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me.